You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. Good morning. It's good to see you. Um, Good to see you. Welcome home, sir. Welcome home. Um, This weekend, I don't know if you knew this, it, it, it is Mother's Day weekend, but it was also the weekend that The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, was released. I don't know if you knew this. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I see a couple of people saying, yes, yes, Tears of the Kingdom was released. Yes, there's one, yeah. Um, we've been waiting six years for this uh, to come out. Do you know, so Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild came out six years ago. Amazing game. The follow-up, the sequel to that, uh, uh, Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, was released uh, just this Weekend. And the gist of this, now this, this franchise, this video game franchise, uh, has been going on since 1986, 1987. Uh, and here's the gist of it. So uh, there are three main characters. There's Princess Zelda, there's Ganon, who's the bad guy, and then there's Link, who's the good guy. Now, in every iteration of this game, there's some kind of there's shenanigans that happen, but the, the short of it is... There's this, this thing called the Triforce, which is like this, this energy uh, in, in the kingdom of Hyrule. Now, here's the thing. Princess Zelda has the Triforce of Wisdom. Ganon, the bad guy, has the Triforce of Power. And then Link, the good guy, the hero, has the Triforce of Courage. So this game, in all the different iterations, there have been like 20 of them, something like that, in all these different iterations, it kind of boils down to the hero learning the true purpose of wisdom and power and courage by bringing all of these things together. And when you understand the true purpose of wisdom, power, and courage, you can hold evil at bay. And you can send evil back to where it came from. Now, this is not a bad story for, our, for us to adopt. And for, I mean, I grew up with this story. Um, I, really, what I want to talk to you about today is my daughter, Isabel. Uh, my daughter, Isabel, has been longing for this game. Uh, and we, there, there's a lot that we can talk about in this game, right? There's the, the wisdom and power and courage and understanding that. We can also talk about how The Legend of Zelda changed gaming forever. And it keeps raising the bar of what a game could be, should be and what it, what it can be, right? Uh, we can also talk about the soundtrack. The music of Legend of Zelda is amazing. So confession, several years ago, when we were in Arizona for a mission trip, Danny Martin, St. Danny Martin, made the mistake of asking me what music I was listening to at that time. And, right, so because we were thousands of miles away from home and he had nowhere to go, I spent the, ne- I spent the next hour talking about the music of Legend of Zelda, like playing it on my phone and like, you know, and we spent like an hour talking about, you know, because there's all one game that's called the Ocarina of Time, where the whole point of the game was learning different melodies and to play them at certain times in the game. And, and St. Danny, you know, just at the end of like an hour's worth of discussing this, just said, well, all right, okay. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. You know, St. Danny, God bless him. Um, We could talk about a lot of things uh, with this game, uh, but what I really want to talk about is my daughter. She's been longing after this game. Understand, 
that Breath of the Wild came out six years ago and she is uh, 15. So for almost half of her life, she's been waiting for this game uh, to come out. Uh, and so we got the game on Friday, release date, right? And we came home uh, and we watched her play for like four hours Friday night. And you can judge me nine ways to Sunday that we spent our Friday night watching our daughter play a video game. But to see fulfillment of someone's longing is worth the price of admission in this one crazy life that we have. To see someone's longing fulfilled is worth the price of admission in this one crazy life. What do you long for? What do you desire? Maybe you have spent a lifetime chasing something, achieving something, regretting something. Maybe this fulfillment is yet to come. Or maybe you have forgotten it. Which is why our scripture lesson today from the letter of 1 Peter, I think, brings us all the way back to our beginning. It talks about God's desire to be with us and God's desire to offer us good things. This lesson is from 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with the second verse. It's on the screens, it's online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear what 1 Peter has to say. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Like newborn infants, the text says. This idea to be like a newborn infant longing for the goodness of God is so important in the life of the church that the church has given this teaching its own particular name. Uh, And it's usually read the Sunday after Easter because after Easter, on Easter Sunday, Easter is reserved for this kind of awe and wonder of what is happening and, and Christ is alive. So we keep things simple. We play the trumpet and we simply proclaim Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And then the Sunday after that, however, is us saying, so what now? What does this mean? Like newborn infants, we are looking at this creation all anew. And the word is, so that you can win Jeopardy. Are you ready for this? Quasimodogenity is the name of this particular reading. You know, out there living in the sun, give me one. Not Quasimodo, not the ringer of the bell in, in, in Notre Dame. Quasimodogenity, which is the Latin phrase, like a newborn infant. It's that the beginning of that verse in the Latin translation, or called the Vulgate, Quasimodogenity, like a newborn infant, because Sunday is reserved for awe and wonder. The Sunday after, which is when this is typically read, the Sunday after Easter is like, but what does this mean? There's there's new wine and new wineskins, and what does it mean for, for God to have conquered death? What does it mean for our story to be about abundant life? 
And we're looking at things with new eyes, like newborn infants, learning a new language, maybe unlearning some things that we had previously learned. This quasi-modogenity kind of a day. We've been reborn through grace, so we look to God with awe and wonder, giving thanks for receiving such a gift. Being reborn means that we have been filled with new desire. Like a newborn infant desires pure spiritual milk, as the text says. Now, the English doesn't quite do this justice. In the Greek, more literally, it means we long after the unblemished logic of God's offering. We desire the unblemished logic of God's offering. Our longing for this unblemished wisdom and longing for reasoning is rooted in Greek philosophy. We are made out of the Greek philosophy, the the Greek thought that like attracts like. We are made out of grace. We are made out of God's love. Therefore, when we experience it, we are attracted to it. Like attracts like. Now, milk here in this story is not a deep metaphor here. It means breast milk. In Greek philosophical thought, breast milk was the foundation of someone's character. That is when character began to be formed in the process of nursing. And this is how this happens. Our staff had had a a wild, wild time with this this morning at our morning check-in. So this is how this happens. When two grown-ups love each other very much, there is an information exchange, right? So the dad offers information to the mom And if the temperature is right, that information makes a baby. And then for nine months, the mother's body keeps part of the information that she has received and filters it through her blood to create breast milk. According to Greek philosophical thought, that is what that process is like. There's a gift, the gift is filtered, and then that filtered gift is given to the child in the form of of breast milk. So in other words, the mother's job is to filter out all the crap that dad offered so that the child can receive all of the good of dad. And now some some of you are saying, OMG, Pastor Matt just narrated my entire childhood (laughs) growing up. I mean, how many of you heard said, how many of you have heard your mother say, what your father means to say is, Right? This constant filtering of the dad. Yeah, I see some hands going up. That's fantastic. Yeah, happy Mother's Day. A mother's job is to constantly filter dad uh, throughout the course of... But this is what Greek philosophical thought means. Is that the mother, in the complexity and the beauty of the mother's body, filters this gift and offers it to the child. And that is how our character is formed. It is through the mother's body that our character is formed. What's being presented here is this beautiful mothering image of Christ in the sense that Christ and Christ's resurrection, we have tasted that the Lord is good. Christ is the filter or the lens through which we see and understand God. This spiritual milk is the filtered logic of God. In other words, if our understanding of God does not match who Jesus was and the work that Jesus did, 
it is a blemished picture. It is not the pure spiritual milk of God. This also means that it takes time to understand who God is. If we are approaching this as newborn infants, it takes us time to recognize and to respond to this grace well. It's like a child learning how to walk. There will be bumps, there will be bruises, there will be times of instability, but it takes time to learn how to put one foot in front of the other. When you are faced with resurrection, when you are faced with, have you ever been in a moment where someone's love of you confused you? because it was unmerited. They loved you for who you were, who you are, and it shocked and surprised you. Me? You love me. Friends, sometimes that kind of love takes getting used to. Especially if you've had a narrative that has been told to you that you aren't good enough, you've never been smart enough, You're not strong enough. And then here comes Jesus naming us by name as a good shepherd does and says, I love you enough to die for you. Friends, sometimes that kind of love takes getting used to. Which is why the author of 1 Peter says we grow into salvation. Salvation is something that we grow into after receiving this foundation of grace through Christ, salvation is something that we grow into. If you want to be united Methodist about it, if you want to be united Methodist about it, we understand grace in three flavors, so to speak. Provenient grace, justifying grace, and sanctifying grace. Provenient grace is that God already loves you and claims you even before you know who God is. And my metaphor for that is when Isabel was being born, or before she was born, we called her Isabel. We knew that she was going to be a girl. We had already given her a name. We called her by name before she was born. You don't call it, you don't say, hey, you, until Drake can say his name or spell it, right? No, you call Drake by Drake before Drake is born. Friends, God does the same thing for us. God calls us by name even when we are infants in faith. God reaches out to us before we even know who God is. But that's not the end of the story. There is justifying grace. There's the work of God in the person of Jesus Christ. We don't have to justify ourselves anymore. Through Christ's work on the cross and the empty tomb, through resurrection, we have been justified before God. So stop trying to do it on your own. Spoilers for next week in confirmation. (laughs) Um, Baptism is a part of confirmation. And baptism is the sign that God has now assumed the responsibility for your salvation. Through baptism, God has assumed the responsibility of your salvation. But the story doesn't end there either. There is sanctifying grace. Even after baptism, we tend to screw up <laughs> and, and still tend to be very human and doing humany things. So it's the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us as we grow into salvation, the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us. To make us new. To forgive our past and equip us for tomorrow. I love how this text says, like newborn infants long for, desire for this spiritual milk of God so that we may grow into 
salvation. Not so that we never mess up, not so that we don't make mistakes, so that you know that God is good. Do you know that God is good? It's the first question of Methodism, friends. If you're ever considering a call to be a pastor uh, in the United Methodist Church, the first question we ask you is, do you know God to be a pardoning God? Not do you know God to be large and in charge, or do you know God to like fill your checkbook? Do you know God to make everything work out right? Do you know God to be a pardoning God? Do you know that forgiveness is possible? Do you know that grace is real? As we grow into salvation. Sometimes we think about salvation, or we often think about salvation as getting into heaven or not. But a, a much more interesting question is, will we recognize heaven when we see it? My mother taught me at an early age that the one thing that we can be sure of about heaven is that God is there. And scripture tells us that God is love. So one thing we can be sure of in terms of heaven is that we are surrounded by God's love. And if we are surrounded by God's love for all of eternity, we might as well get good at sharing it here. What my mother would actually say is they wouldn't recognize heaven if it bit them on the face. That's her saying. Wouldn't recognize heaven if it bit you, right? Especially when I was looking for something as a kid. Like, mom, where are my shoes? If it was a snake, it'd bite you. You didn't even recognize it if it bit you, right? Another thing I inherited from my mom, uh, uh, with, which Judy understands, that if, if Cope Carpool Line is not using the zipper method, there will be a Facebook post about that later. Because my, my mother, I inherited you know, the unfiltered <laughs> character that I inherited from my mother is an intolerance of stupid drivers. It's just, it's not there. I wish, we talk about grace, grace, God's grace. I don't know if that extends to stupid drivers. I don't know. I'm working on that personally in my own journey. God's grace is real. Do you know God to be a pardoning God? Will you recognize heaven when you see it? It's like planning a trip to Paris and going to the Louvre Museum and, and not studying what's there. It's hardly worth the trip if you don't know what you're looking at. Do you know heaven when you see it? Well, Jesus in Luke chapter 4 said this. He went home. He came home one day. He came home one day after being away for a while. And they said, hey, Jesus, you're back. I'm not going to do this to you, Drake, but... Hey, Jesus, you're back in town. I want you to read the scripture for today. And what did he do? He unrolled the scroll and he read from Isaiah. And he said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. It was probably Mother's Day, which is why I was back in town. That's, I'm just, anyway, so he unrolled the scroll and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the summary of Jesus' entire ministry. When we are longing for the unfiltered wisdom of God, we should be longing for that which is good news to the poor. We should be longing for release of the captive. We should be longing for restoration of those who have been shut out. We should be longing for those who can perform and proclaim that this is the year of the Lord's favor. 
But the world doesn't want <laughs> the poor to be given good things. The world doesn't want captives to be released. It's easier to manipulate if people can't see clearly or if they're blind to the truth. When you start to chip away at the world's power, you are quickly handed a cross. Or, more accurately, the crosses you are given to the cross. The cross will be handed you. The wisdom of God takes courage to fulfill. And by following Christ, the filter through which we see and understand the goodness of God, we begin to understand God's true power. The power of breaking the sting of death. The power to heal and transform our past. The power to knit dry bones together and give them new life. The power to purify the lips of those who think they aren't clean enough. The power to anoint you into leadership for the growth of God's kingdom. Through wisdom, we have been given the courage to understand the power of God. Through wisdom, we have been given the courage to understand the power of God. Or in other words... The Legend of Zelda might be on to something. Through wisdom, we've been given the courage to understand the power of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.